What's up? Welcome back to BitsCast. It's Ravo Sporza, and I'm joined today by Logic Bits and Evan. We'll be discussing. We'll be discussing Windows 11 and the new Apple M1 chip, as well as the latest tech news and doing a console spotlight on the PS3. Hell yeah! So I'll let Brian start off with the uh, tech stuff. So fair enough. I do expect. Luke to add some input here and there. But for starters, Microsoft has just unveiled the next generation of Windows titled Windows 11. It will it is a new flashy visual language on Windows to try to bring it more in line with modern standards including rounded corners, translucent backgrounds, and just a general overall better UI than what Windows has historically had and trying to like more unify it because in previous versions when Microsoft introduced the new Metro design in Windows 8, old dialog boxes dating back to like Windows 95 era can still be found in Windows 10 to this day. Windows 11 hopes to alleviate some of that. Oh, that's pretty epic. In addition, they are promising some gaming performance related to DirectX 12 rendering, I believe. as well. It's as actually pretty good for me because I'm pretty sure my GPU is DirectX 12 optimized. Most today are, and it, it should be, I think, a 5 to 10% boost for some people. In addition, I think GPU drivers are going to work a little better in some way. I'm not exactly sure how, but... So in short, if you're a gamer, hype. Not. I will say one thing to keep note of is the requirements to run it are rather steep, considering it idles at like 5 to 6 gigs of RAM on a machine with a lot of power. So in and, short, you should have like a minimum of 16 to comfortably do stuff. Yeah, exactly. 8 will work, but you'll be pushing it, to say the least. It, yeah, you're not going to be gaming on that. It also feels like certain aspects of the OS were like directly ripped from either operating systems. Because the general UI feels very Mac-like, and the new widgets literally look like they were taken out of iOS. Yeah, well, they probably see iOS as like... You know, something that a lot of people are attracted to, and therefore they're going to try to implement that. So it's not really that surprising, to be honest. Yeah, which is fair, in all honesty. And actually, I think recently there was a leaked document about uh, a possible Windows 11 release date. And I'm pretty sure it's possible that Windows 11 could be released anytime between October and November 2021. So pretty soon here. So you're saying we'll see it before 2022? Yep. Theoretically, yes. Another huge feature of Windows 11 is the now baked-in Android app support, which means everybody will be able to run their favorite games, such as Foundboard. Shameless plug. (laughs) For context, Foundboard was an app that LogicBits and myself developed a while back. It's still on Google Play if you want to check it out. All right, on to the next thing. Um, as we saw in, I think it was November 2020, somewhere around there, Apple has recently unveiled their new M1 chip and has begun the transition of the Mac lineup to it, which is promising to offer better performance, but at the same time have better battery management because it's now based on the ARM architecture, which is similar to what 
iPhones and Android phones run more so than x86, which is what Intel and AMD CPUs run on most desktop PCs. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that works, especially for like media creation. I know that some benchmarks have already been done, but if you, I want to say that a M1 Mac doing a video editing task running in a translation layer to translate the M1 instructions over to traditional x86, because the app was still based on x86 at that point, it literally ran faster being translated on the M1 Mac than it did natively on the x86 Mac, which goes to show the power of the M1. Yeah, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see how that works. And you should be able to run Linux on there too. And with the whole Steam Deck, like, Windows app translator thing, which I forgot what it's called, but that could mean that gaming is like remotely possible on it yeah, in the that, future, this, obviously. This, this is going to, but going, this is a little off topic, but in general, the fact that Linux is about to get better gaming support because of the Steam Deck is huge for both Mac OS and Linux because it is going to mean that manufacturers will actually have to start paying attention to the non-Windows market. Shocker. But for an example, the, there is an emulator project called the Dolphin Emulator, which emulates Wii stuff on both PC, Mac, Android, iOS, etc. But the x86 version of Dolphin compared to the M1 version of Dolphin the M1 version is roughly a 50% speed increase than the x86 version. And keep in mind that M1 is basically integrated graphics. Yeah, that's pretty Very impressive. impressive. In addition, the new M1, obviously, now that it's now ARM-based, means that iOS and iPadOS apps will now natively run on Mac, which is huge again, just like Android apps coming to Windows 11. But the difference is, is Android apps are going to have a much worse performance on Windows 11 because of it being x86 based, whereas iOS apps on M1 will almost be native, which means you're going to get near native speed. I think it also is important to note that I'm guessing most of the Android apps on Windows 11 are already packaged for x86 because Google Play does allow you to um, submit x86 versions of your apps. So... It most likely won't be huge in translation, but definitely due to x86 being x86, it's not going to be the best. Now, due to the, the downside of the new M1 chip is due to it being an all-new architecture, a lot of apps are having to be written, rewritten for it so that they work properly. However, most apps that everybody uses on a day-to-day -day basis have already been updated, and it's only been, like, what, seven months? Yeah. However, one questionable decision Apple did recently was with the new iPad Pro being unveiled, they revealed that they were going to stick the M1 chip in the iPad Pro, in addition with 8 or 16 gigabytes of RAM behind it. iPad, actually, there's a reason to buy one now besides just, you know, watching movies. Except the thing is, is nothing on the iPad needs that kind of power or RAM. Literally no app on iOS is that intensive. Emulation has entered the chat. Yeah, you think Apple's going to allow emulation on iOS? You're funny. Jailbreak.
which brings us to another point of M1 that is also another drawback. Apple has not documented how the processor works at all. Supporting other OSs to it, such as Linux, has taken a while because they pretty much had to reverse engineer everything. And of course, that also means it's going to be very hard and next to impossible to upgrade, given that it's all one system on a chip instead of just a CPU. Yeah. So that'll be fun. So in true Apple fashion, it, it was like it's pro-consumer but also anti-consumer. Of course. But in short, the M1 chip is a game changer and may very well cause Microsoft to invest more in Windows on ARM. In general, the battle for ARM or the battle of ARM versus x86 for what will be on our PCs will continue to play out, I'm sure. Yeah. Absolutely. If only Risk V could win. <laughs> Open source would be nice, but but sadly that's not the world we live in. Yeah, yeah, as evidenced by the success of Apple since launching the M1. Now, in addition, Apple also unveiled iOS 15 and Google has unveiled Android 12, the next two versions of both iOS and Android. iOS 15 adds some new a new notification management system as well as some major updates to FaceTime, the weather app, and a bunch of other apps. But overall, yeah, basically now you can use FaceTime on like a web browser on non-Apple devices, and you can prioritize notifications. So yeah, which, which is huge. However, in the scheme of things, it is relatively just building on iOS 14 more than a new generation of iOS, so to speak. Yeah. But whereas, still, whereas Android 12 is bringing an all new design language to Android to hopefully finally make the Android UI experience a bit more coherent than the complete mess that it is right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't really follow Android, so I can't really add to that. But on the iOS end, I think just the ability to have certain notifications come up like over other crap that I don't care about is just it'll be like really nice because I can prioritize stuff from like social media over say like a YouTube notification. Exactly. The the new notification management is something that both OSs could definitely use to work on, as well as the desktop operating systems too. Yeah. In general though, they're both gonna be decent upgrades for both OSs, but I wouldn't expect anything too game-changing out of either. However, one recent new development is Google has finally convinced most carriers to adopt its new messaging standard, RCS, which is attempting to compete with iMessage, more or less. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty huge. I mean, outside of Apple, basically Android has their own version of iMessage. However, the major holdout to adopting RCS as a standard is Apple, ironically. Which, which, which I suppose makes sense because you could argue from Apple's point of view RCS could be detrimental to iMessage. However, I'd counter that it doesn't impact iOS users chatting with iOS users at all and just would make the SMS fallback all the more secure because it actually uses RCS instead of SMS. Yeah. In short, that adds features like typing indicators, likes, and other features that we've known on iMessage for years to Android. 
Yeah. Now so, on to the, very now, hype. Now on to the news section, and I'll let Evan take it away here. Yeah, so apparently, I don't know how long ago, it's fairly recently, PlayStation um, announced a McDonald's PlayStation controller, and I don't really know, like, if and how you can buy it, or if you, it's like a contest I, thing, or... I think it's a contest in Australia. I don't know how many of them are being made, but yes, McDonald's has made a version of the DualSense. And it's got, like, yeah. french fries, burgers, etc. on it, with a giant red McDonald's golden arches. Yeah, and it's got, like, the... I'm looking at the image now. It's got, like, McDonald's logo on the, uh, like, little touchpad thing on the top. The, um, the D-pad's yellow. The buttons are yellow. There's, like, fries on the, uh, right grip and, like, a burger on... Or on the left grip and a burger on the right one. It's it's pretty interesting. Although I'm sure us Americans won't be able to get it for cheap. Oh yeah, oh, I've got course. bad news actually. Just um, eight hours ago, it was revealed that McDonald's is not actually releasing the McDualSense. Are you kidding me? Sony didn't because of copyright. Apparently, not authorized to create the controller, and so. Wait, so you you can't make third you can't make third party versions of the DualSense. Well, given that they were trying to use a stock dual sense with McDonald's branding, that's gonna say it just um, looks like a reskin. Out. Yeah, yeah. They probably should have so, struck up some kind of a partnership with Sony first. Honestly, I know a they lot really of should've. like doesn't like Taco Bell do partnerships like that with Xbox all the time? Well, they do historically. Yeah. I don't know if they still do. I know Mountain yeah. Dew and Doritos sponsor Xbox today. Oh yeah, I think Doritos has the thing with COD. Think. Which is funny. So, you sponsor a chip company that is famous for cheesy chips, right? That cheese gets all over your controller. Doritos <laughs> is not one of the things I would eat while gaming. Let me put it that way. Yeah, exactly. Any of that like type of food that like gets all over your hands, like Cheeto-y stuff, uh, I just I can't do it. Now, on to the next thing. Halo Infinite yeah. recently had the first flight preview this last weekend, and I, I actually got a chance to play it, believe it or not. Of course on, on Xbox, Xbox One, and not PC, which, you know, PC would have been the much better experience, but whatever. So we got to test out two new maps, as well as 4v4 Slayer game mode, which is just kill everybody. There's no just standard, you know, shooting PvP. And I got to battle against bots as well as players. And I can say already that it it's definitely, it feels a lot like Classic Halo in the sense of mechanics, but with a lot of modernization, such as a more modern control scheme, like using the, you know, left stick to aim instead of pressing in the right stick or whatever. Plus, you know, the addition of sprinting is a major change from Classic Halo. However, I am all for this, as it's just like five. So what you're saying is it takes the best elements from stuff and just combines it. Although I remember you saying that it doesn't have the OP pistol from CE, which is a correct. letdown. But the, the the hand cannon equivalent is still nerfed somewhat, but I will say that the assault rifle feels very much like it did in old times. There's a new there's a new weapon called the heat wave, which appears to penetrate and do an area of effect 
that you can either switch between vertical and horizontal that looks super cool. And I can tell that even the bots are not just, like, the higher difficulty the bots are, they will mimic more advanced player skills. So in other I was going to say, aren't they, like, taking info from, like, actual players for the bots? Yes. So in other words, the highest level bots will literally be, like, the sweats you play. So that's a bad thing, is what we're saying. However, it is cool that they don't just, you know, snipe you from across the map via cheating. <laughs> so that's at least nice. Graphics-wise, it definitely looks next-gen, even on Xbox One, which is kind of surprising given it's on an Xbox One. But mechanics are solid. The multiplayer looks like a lot of fun. And given that it's free to play, I think this is going to be a massive launch and potentially a reboot of the Halo series after 5. Yeah, I mean, 5 was detrimental to the series, and it really hasn't picked up since. And, like, literally everything else has stolen the spotlight since then, because Microsoft just hasn't pumped out anything since then. So, so we'll yeah, see what this does. This has the potential to reverse the trend, for sure. Especially given the multiplayer being free-to-play. Like, they, as long as the campaign is somewhat decent to good, and the multiplayer sticks with what we saw in the preview, this is going to be a banging game. Yeah, well, only time will tell, but we'll definitely do, like, an episode dedicated to it or something like that once it, like, actually fully comes out and we can all play it. Speaking of which, if y'all are at all interested, I'm sure you've seen episode two where Peyton and Evan talked about the downfall of COD. We have potentially talked about doing a similar series with like Rise and Fall of Halo or Rise and Fall of Minecraft as an example. And if you're interested in that at all, just let us know. Yeah, the best way to do that would be on like YouTube comments, I think. Unless yeah, you all can think of on the Discord server, which we can link in the show notes. Then in other news, one of the major PS5 exclusives, Horizon Forbidden West, has now officially been delayed to 2022. And that's like the second PS5 game to be delayed because God of War Ragnarok, which I think is the working title, but the next God of War game is apparently delayed. However, that one is supposedly um, cross-gen, so that one will apparently be on PS4, which is hype. Because personally, I'm not the biggest fan of HCD. It's just one of those games where it's like... <laughs> It's like it's too a big game. Yeah, like it's the same reason I haven't beat Breath of the Wild yet, despite having owned the game for ages. It's just like I'd love to play it, but I just know it'll take me ages to finish it. Whereas, like compared to God of War, which is a lot more like, you know, you follow the path. Yeah, I don't know. It's a lot more like you just go in and play it. Whereas, yeah. you know, with HCD or Breath of the Wild, you go out and explore the world more. Which are And I'm not good, saying that those but... are bad games by any means. I'm just saying it's not really something that I can devote my time to. Like Exactly. You need a lot of time to be able to sit down and play a big open world game, which simply put we just don't have right now. Yeah. But there is definitely an audience for it, and for those people that definitely sucks. But we'll see. I'm sure it'll still be a big game once it does come out. We'll just have to wait and see how that goes. But, um, another news, um, apparently, uh, I actually, like, literally just saw this, like, a few minutes before we started, uh, 
recording. Um, Mandalorian season two will start filming soon um, because season three. Yeah, because the Book of Boba Fett um, just wrapped, and if you didn't know, that's Book of Boba Fett, which is a uh, Disney Plus show, comes out during um, December ish, I believe. Um, and that's going to be hype. I believe it's supposed to take place like during the same time as Mando season three, obviously following Boba Fett, because Mando season three is probably going to be about like trying to regain Mandalore now that Din Djarin, like has like the um, dark saber. Which, if you don't remember, the whole thing was it was supposed to. He wanted that it would that like they'd um, give it to Bo-Katan but because. Dinjarin beat up Gideon in combat. It like it belongs to him. It's one of those things where you have to watch the show to get it. But basically, I would, I would highly recommend watching the show. It is a yeah. phenomenal series. Yeah, it's easily like one of the best things on Disney Plus right now, especially for Star Wars. Definitely like one of the best Disney Star Wars things. But yeah, that means Mando season three should be starting production soon. And with COVID, you know, on the decline now, hopefully there won't be any more delays or anything. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, other than that, um, the next like big, I don't know if I, I guess film in the superhero genre, the Suicide Squad is coming out Friday, which is, um, that's the 6th, I believe, of July. Um, yeah, I but, think so. Yeah, the 6th of July. And that's going to be a big move. Apparently, it's doing really well um, among critics. It, I think it like actually just had its premiere earlier today, Which I think. Is super exciting. Yeah, and so far, reception has been really, really good. Like, people are saying it's, like, the best DC movie since The Dark Knight, which, if you didn't know, is, like, hailed as one of the best movies of all time, period. So I'm really hyped about that, because DC has just been doing really bad lately, besides, like, a few... All the spotlight has been on Marvel lately, let's be honest. (laughs) Yeah, there are only a few exceptions to that. Um, I mean, there's hype around the new... Batman movie, which is called The Batman, with that's the one with uh, Robert Pattinson. It looks really good. They were able to throw together a really insane trailer that only util when they only shot twenty five percent of it because they had to pause filming thanks to you know COVID. But they've since wrapped production, so I think that's in post production. That's supposed to come out in March, so we still have a little ways for that. And that's not like part of the DCEU. Uh, whereas the Suicide Squad is, so we'll see how that goes. And um, finally, in the news yes. section, we have Flash filming sees Batman riding down city on a motorcycle. Yeah, so this next Flash movie is basically going to be DC equivalent of Avengers Endgame, um, which is like so hype. Yeah, it's basically going to introduce like DC's version of the multiverse. I'm a little skeptical about it though because Marvel took like literally a decade to build up their multiverse, whereas DC did it in like they're, they're a few going, years. They're just going straight in comparatively. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. But it's based on the popular comic series called Flashpoint, which essentially you know has the Flash going through the multiverse and you know, shit happens. So. 
Um, there was filming lately of someone, and I believe it was supposed to be like Ben Affleck's Batman, although obviously it was Ben Affleck, it was a stunt double, but they were filming in, I don't forget which city, but they were, they were literally like riding down a city in like the bat bike, um, <laughs> just like with, uh, you know, bystanders, you know, on, you know, citizens, you know, filming it or whatever. So there's a bunch of footage online. If you look up Batman filming flash you'll find it it's pretty cool but they have like fake gunshots going everywhere it's just it's funny but that must have been fun to watch in person yeah i'm a little jealous (laughs) needless to say evan wishes he would have been there yeah now finally we'll wrap things up with the console spotlight on the sony playstation 3 hell yeah which if you didn't know we're talking we're gonna mainly well, we'll focus on like all three versions, but I think this it's safe to say we can all agree the original Fat model is the best, thanks to backwards compatibility. But yeah, th- th- we will mainly be talking about the Fat here, given it's the one we all have the most experience with, and I would say also the most featured of them too. Yeah, because if you don't know, the original Fat retailed for what? Wasn't like four or five hundred dollars, something like that. Five, I think it was four ninety nine, actually. No, yeah, so very, very pricey. Five ninety nine yeah. for the bigger gig model. It's twenty gig is four ninety nine. Yeah, especially at that time, that was a lot. That was a big ask, which is why it didn't do so hot right away. And that's how Xbox was able to steal the spotlight temporarily with the three sixty. But then Sony later came back with revisions like the PS three Slim, which removed PS two com- backwards compatibility. Although I still think. There was PS1 compatibility. Yeah, P- PS1 was maintained throughout the entire generation. And really the whole, like, who was winning the generation started to shift when Microsoft put most of their energy into the Kinect and the casual audience because of the Wii's success. Whereas, yeah, and that happened toward, like, the latter half of that particular game and, gen. And which... doing so definitely messed up the Xbox One launch, which we will get to in a future episode. But Yeah, now... and during that time... PlayStation pumped out The Last of Us, which turned out well, to be a PlayStation exclusive, which completely blew up. And that, like that, that was the last like major PS3 exclusive. And it did like people were literally buying PS3s like right before the PS4 launch just to play that game. Like it did phenomenally. And then of course it was remastered on PS4 later on. But at the same time, it got a bunch of people to pick up a PS3 right before the launch of the PS4. Which is why PlayStation actually ended up selling more than the 360, despite the 360 winning the war for most of the generation. But yeah, back the, to the- and Microsoft focusing on the Kinect really screwed them over, and PlayStation was just able to like like PlayStation didn't so, so, didn't do so hot right out of the gate. But then as soon as like the Uncharted series pumped out, like three Uncharted games, Last of Us. Like those four games alone warranted a PS3 at the end of the day. Like Sony yeah, really, no question. like comeback story, like period. Like that was insane. As for the was... thing itself, the PS3 is a hulking beast of a console. It's in, it's enormous for the sake of being enormous, especially. And we're talking about the fat model for context, because the slim is a lot more reasonable. Yeah, it's. I mean, how many you that thing has like a million the fat model has like a million USB ports. It has like a bunch of like other drives for stuff that like yeah, nobody Sony, would use. Sony packed so much 
they wanted the PS3 to be the all-in-one entertainment center, which, to be honest, it really was. But like I said at the beginning, that did screw the console because of the price. Yeah, that thing can even run like Blu-ray. And like I know a lot of people haven't migrated to um like 4K Ultra HD discs. I know there are people out there who have, but I feel like most people these days, A, just stream. But if you do pick yeah. up discs, you're probably Blu-ray. And we'll, we'll get more into that with physical versus digital later down the line in a future episode. But yeah. the let's point is for, the PS3 can still run like most widely used media formats for like movies. Let's not forget that the DVD format hasn't died either. And the PS3 at the time was the only console to actually be able to run both DVD and, P- and Blu-ray. Because the Wii had the stuff built in to run the DVD. But Nintendo didn't want to pay the licensing fee, so they literally just didn't enable it. However, the Wii did have um, Netflix compatibility. However, I that never used PS3 it, but like, too. yeah, I never used Netflix on the Wii. But I heard it's like really big, which I don't quite get because at the time, you know, the Wii obviously can only output to 480p, so it's not even HD. So Keep in mind the quality must have been complete ass. Keep in mind, we're talking about, like, 2006 through 2010, though. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't know. I, I do believe on the Wii that Netflix was actually in 360p, so it was even worse. Yeah. 360p? So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But again, back, another, back to the PS3, because that's what this is about. Um, another thing that really didn't set the PS3 up had at launch was the fact that the 6-axis controller that they retailed with really just felt like another iteration of the DualShock 2 and the DualShock 1, other than being wireless. There was little to set it apart from its predecessors. Yeah, and quite honestly, it was it's very similar to like the PS2 and P controller. There's which the PS1 controller at the time was revolutionary. Like it introduced dual analog sticks. The first like good analog stick debatably but in my opinion i, I don't oh, yeah, really no like qu- the n64 no one the nintendo 64 is not a competitor in that category <laughs> yeah um and they used a very similar des- and pretty much like the exact same design for the ps2 which was kind of iffy at that point but still like decent at the time but then they basically like did the same thing just wireless for the ps3 and at that point it was like okay we need now, something new which the they Dual- did do for the PS4, but... Yeah, you know. the DualShock 4 is a massive improvement, but we'll get to that in a future episode as well. But <laughs> the DualShock 3 did come out later with some decent improvements, but the problem is, is the design of the controller itself just feels dated. And I still hold that opinion now. The 360 controller was definitely better, and I really don't think anyone would disagree. Although, I have terrible experience with my personal one, but that's, you know, an independent issue, so we'll leave that but out of this. I will say, the features that the PS3 packed in, definitely, especially over the base model 360, were much more. The downside would be the uninnovative controller and the price. However, well, yeah, the game the original library... 360 didn't even have, like like wi-fi out of the box so he had to buy like a lan adapter for that like you just needed like a mil you needed a, a different drive to play like dvds you need like so basically the 360 came out at the same time but it was very bare bones but you could buy all the stuff that ps3 had just via accessories 
Whereas PS3 yeah, initially had it all built in. No, exactly. the game library of the PS3, like we already touched on, is absolutely phenomenal, especially the exclusive lineup. Uncharted 1 through 3 alone could be argued as one, three of the best games of all time. The Last of Us was a major success, in addition to other staple franchises such as, you know, Crash, Spyro, etc. Yeah. And then God, I think God of War got some remakes on there too, I believe, like the original yeah, two. It, it did, plus the fact of having PS2 and PS1 backwards compatibility, and even the ability to run PSP and Vita. Like, the PlayStation 3 was the definitive PlayStation at the time. Yeah, that thing is like the Swiss Army knife of game consoles. You could seriously make a case for it being the best Sony console. I think in the long run, the PS5 probably will be better, but as of now, I still give the crown to the PS3, given the PS5's own game library is basically non-existent right now. Well, debatable, but the PS5 has only been out for less than a year, and a lot of that was during the pandemic, and it still hasn't quite recovered from the chip shortage, so it really remains to be seen what happens with the PS5. So we'll probably do a PS5 spotlight like way down yeah, the line. That, that's going to be way in the future. The next console we do will probably either be the 360 or we will decide that later though. But stay tuned yeah. for but stay tuned for that as well. And then one last little tidbit about the PS3 is the Sony PlayStation 5 controller, the DualSense, actually works on the PS3 both wired and wirelessly, but it does not work on the PlayStation 4. Yeah, why? I have no idea how and why that is. I don't know if it was just a fluke or. It's really a. I think it's a great example of Sony's more forward-thinking approach to the PS3. That they make they made it as like jam-packed with features as possible, so that it would support even a dual sense way down the line. Whereas with the PS4, they're more focused on price and other things like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sony just cared so much more in the PS3 about like the extra features that don't have to be there but people love to have such as backwards compatibility because the PS4 has no backwards compatibility for context yeah unless you count PS now which is streaming pretty much but well we're saying like native think you know yeah. GameCube on Wii or PS2 on PS3 yeah. but in short the PS3 is definitely an amazing console and yet more reason for why I believe the 7th gen of consoles is far and away the best. I mean, the Wii 360 and PS3, what beats that? But aside from that, though, this that's all we have for today, unless y'all have something to add. No, I think we hit everything, unless Luke has something to add. I think that's about it. So, yeah. thank you all for watching today, and we'll be back again in the future.